0: Know the Word. How many of you know that the, the Bible is the foundation of everything that we believe in and the way to live? And if you don't have that in you, a lot of times we don't know what to do. We wind up in situations and we're totally at a loss as to what to do. Well, it's because we don't know the Word. We need to know the Word. David said, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, light unto my path. So It's easy to get lost in the dark. But to you turn on the light and you can see where you're going. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, Get in the book. Amen. You got your Bible with you today? Let's stand together one more time. Make a confession. Hold that Bible up there. Say, "This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do." Say, "I've got an open mind and a teachable spirit." From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Say, "Never, never, never." In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand. He's worthy. Amen. Amen. We are excited that you're with us today. We're believing God for great things. Amen. God has great plans for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has an incredible plan for your life and for your future. There's a hope of a future for you, and the enemy comes. He tries to take from you, you know, your future, your family, and your faith. There's one. There's one goal that your enemy has, and that is to rip from your grip your future, your family, and your faith. Sometimes we think, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff, but the reality is, is that the attraction of hell to you is in regards to the plan of God for you. God's plan is so great, your enemy is is uh, intimidated. Because he can see where God's leading you. He, he You know, he's been around quite a while. He's studied human nature. He understands. And he he recognizes that the plan of God is to position you in a place where you're a great threat to the kingdom of darkness, where you're walking in victory, and you've got a level of joy that can't be quenched, and you have peace that can't be disturbed, and you, you, you have health that can't be shaken. and you have, You know, the place that God wants to take you is an awesome place. And many times what happens is that we find ourselves... Uh, struggling to get there. We, we think that, uh, you know, we can think anything we want to, uh, you know, we can act any way we want to act. How many you know you can't think anything you want to think? You, you, you do not have, well, you know, this is what we've always, you can't afford to allow yourself to just think anything, because what you think determines what you see, and what you see determines how you live. And in many areas of our life, we're not living according to the Word of God. We, we don't have the promises that God's Word says that are available to us. So we're living wrong. And if we're living wrong, it's because we're seeing wrong. And if we're seeing wrong, it's because we're thinking wrong. If we're thinking wrong, it's because we've heard wrong. Amen? So we, we've got to change what we hear. We, you know, the Bible says be careful what you hear. It doesn't mean uh, that to choose certain things and not hear it. What it means is to stop and understand what you just heard. Mark 4, 425, be careful what you hear. It, here's the deal, is that the level of thought and study, the Amplified Bible says in Mark 24, the level of thought and study that you give to the truth you hear determines the amount of power and virtue that comes back to you. You know, if you don't give thought and study to the truth you hear, it can't produce real fruit in your life. It won't, it, it won't be a source of great power because you don't, you don't get it, you don't understand it. And our mentality, you know, we like to sit around the table and read a scripture too, and then look at one another and say, uh, what does that mean to you? Who cares? You know, what, what, what do you mean, what does that mean to you? And no, what did he mean when he said that? What does that mean? How, how, how do I apply that, appropriate that in my life? Man, I've got to tell you, walking in victory is a lot better than walking in defeat. And so if there's areas of defeat in your life, could it possibly be because you see wrong? You're not seeing the victory you should be seeing. So that would be seeing wrong, wouldn't it? If God said you're going to see victory, but you don't see victory, then you're not seeing what God told you you should see. If you're not seeing what God told you you should see, you're seeing wrong. If you're seeing wrong, it's because you're thinking wrong. Why? Because your thoughts are are dictating and and orchestrating every step, every action of your life. And, you you know, every action is a manifestation of a belief system. What you believe is what you think. You know, it... Let let me come at it this way for just a minute. If I ask this question, and please don't respond, but if I ask this question, how many of you believe reading your Bible every day is very important? Hands will go up all over the place. The fact of the matter is, is there's a vast majority of believers that don't read their Bible every day. So the truth is you don't really believe that reading your Bible is vital and important because what you do, actions are a manifestation of a belief system, not what you say. You, You understand me? we can tell people we believe certain things but we don't have to we, you know we, we don't we don't gauge what you believe by what you say we gauge what you believe by how you live right so we we've got to we got to get our mind in alignment with the word of god and you got to realize that uh the plan of god is progressive he's taking you someplace better than where you are but if you think that life has been tough to this point wait wait till you get to where god's taking you because, you know, new levels equal new devils, right? There's there some, there some challenges and some, and, and some uh, uh, you know, opposition that's going to come your way that's greater than any opposition you've ever seen before. And I, and I know you, you're hoping that life's going to finally smooth out and things are going to get calm and... And, uh, you know, money's going to come in and, and uh, you know, neighbors are going to move and, uh, you know, uh, the boss is going to be replaced by you. And, you know, and, you got all these different thoughts. And, you know, what we're looking for, we, we kind of have a euphoric desire where, where everything's easy, everything's calm, there are no storms. Uh, there's just tons and tons of manifested blessing without any real uh, draw placed upon our life. People, that's called heaven. Okay, when you get to heaven, okay, in the sweet by and by. But we got the nasty here and now that we got to deal with first, right? And, you, you know, it's, it's, we, we don't expect a child that's a, the newborn baby to uh, get a job, you know, to, to produce an income, you know, at age three. But, but, but as they grow, hopefully, hopefully by the time they're 18 years old, you know, they've got a work ethic developed. And they're ready to support themselves. Hello. Right? Things get tougher. There's more responsibility. God's grown you. What happens is a lot of times we get born again, especially in this society that we live in. It's an instant society. We we are tremendously blessed. We're in the top 3% of the world's uh, wealth. Uh, You know, think about it. No matter, I don't care what condition you're in, you are incredibly blessed comparatively to people all around the world. Okay, we've got it made. Look at your neighbor and say, you have it made. And you, you might be in the middle of a real challenge today and a real war and a real battle. And you might be thinking, well, I don't feel like I have it made. It's because you're seeing wrong. Okay, we need to see correctly. We need to understand that that, uh, that we're, we're kind of in an apathetic state in this society. And that's one of the tactics of the enemy is to get us to think that, you know, we got it made. Uh, that there's, or, or that we don't, uh, you know, or that we, he, he tries to get you to think that your problem is so big that you don't realize how big your God is. Hello? You know what happens is we end up in situations that we're not conditioned for. Do you understand that God wants you, after, after the birth of the new year, God wants you to be in a better condition than you are right now. Right, mentally, physically, financially, emotionally, God wants you in better condition after the new year than than you are right now. But see, we're, we're kind of a during the holiday season, so many people get tore up, they get broken down, they get uh, they get crushed emotionally and and spiritually and financially. They get deeper and deeper into debt because we're seeing wrong. We need to be we need to be better conditioned. We we, we need to be in shape. Look at your neighbor and say we need to be in shape. Just like when you go to the gym for the first time, you know, you're not expected to bench press 315 pounds that first trip. But you can develop those muscles and get to where you can do that. But in the, in the spiritual realm, we get born again and think, that's it. Okay, we're done. No, now you've got to grow. Now, now you've got to get yourself in shape. Look at this with me. Luke chapter 9, verse 62. And Jesus said, everybody say, Jesus said. Jesus said. Let's say that together. Jesus said. How many of you know when Jesus says something, there's a good chance we ought to listen? Amen. Yeah, I know what Grandpa said, and I know what your aunt said, and I know what your neighbor said, but Jesus said. Now, this is something we, we probably should wrap our brain around. And Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow. No man. Don't think you're something special. That Well, I'm a little bit different. I, I realize that. You know, remember when you were a kid and you thought that nothing would ever touch you? You know, you see people dropping like flies all around you, but in your mind, you're going, Nah, that won't happen to me. No man, get, get this revelation. No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. No man that's looking back is fit in shape, condition for the kingdom. There are some things in the kingdom that are going to require greater and greater levels of strength from you. Why? Because this is progressive. The fact that you're making it today is great because it's developing you and preparing you for where you're going, not for where you're at. See, our eyes get locked on where we are, but where we're headed is of much greater value to us than where we're at. We can't focus on where we're at. We've got to get prepared for where we're headed. Matter of fact, the, the, the Word, the seed of God that's being planted into your heart today, it probably isn't for just today. It's for down the road. Because the Word of God says that there will be a Word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it when you turn to the left or the right. So the seed that's sown today is to prepare you for the tomorrow that God's leading you into. So that when you get to where you're going, you're positioned to do what He's called you to do. A lot of times we end up in the right place at the right time, but without the right stuff. We are the right people at the right time, the right place. We are good, but we don't have the goods. We can't handle certain situations. Why? We're not in shape. We're not prepared. We're not conditioned. We, we, we've been lazy and, and slow. And then we, we wind up in this situation and, we can't, and we're And we thinking, God, you know what, what happened? And we we become very broken by life because we weren't ready for life. But God's trying his hardest to to get to you. He's trying to get the word into you. He's trying to position you so that when you come up against this next challenge, you step up on top of that thing. You walk and demonstrate your enemy's defeat. You. See, it, really, God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I mean, you know that's Bible. He hath given us, not will. Not should, not might, but He hath given us all things that pertain unto life and to godliness. So if He's given it to us, what do we need to do? We need to unwrap that present. We need, we need to open up the box. We need to get that thing and get it on and, and get it going in our life. We need to use what God has given to us. Somebody say amen. amen. Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist, even until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Do you understand that there are some things in the kingdom that in order to get your hand on it, you're going to have to get a little bit more passion, and you're going to have to get a little bit more drive, and you're going to have to stand up and, and go at it. You know, sometimes you just got to live like a wild man. you you, you got to make some things, uh, a change in your own life, the different habitual thought processes and, and daily activities that are actually preventing you from the promise. You, you You've got to attack that and go after it because... The violent take it by force. If you're not going to get violent, you ain't going to get it. Come on, guys. I mean, we've got to get violent. There are some promises of God that belong to you, but it ain't going to just come to you. Well, if God wants me to have it, He'll give it to me. Really? How's that working for you? I ain't never met anybody who believed that God wanted me to have it, I'd have it, that actually had what God wanted them to have. Now, I know you're under the impression that God's in control. If God was in control, you'd be a lot nicer than you are. God put you in control. He gave you dominion. He gave you authority. He gave you power. And if you don't get violent, you won't ever get your hands on everything that God has for you. Hello, somebody. Look at this, First Thessalonians five, sixteen through 18. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. And that, just those three scriptures. Let's do that again. Rejoice evermore. Look at that. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. You know we have. This isn't even a big one. Okay, this, this isn't like some hard thing. There's some heavy duty, you know, uh, instruction commandment that God's. Given. This this is the lighter stuff, and we're struggling with that. Well, I'm not going to rejoice because I'm not getting everything I want. Things aren't going the way I think they should go. I, I, I'm unhappy with with what's going on in my life. So why why would I possibly rejoice? Well. See, if you would uh, uh, compare yourself in maturity to where that is, isn't that like a child that when he doesn't get what he wants, he throws down and and starts kicking on the floor? You know, I mean, none of us want to be told that our spiritual level equals that of a five-year-old, but most of the people in the body of Christ in this society, if we're not getting what we want, if we don't see what we like, if if it isn't appealing to us, we're, we're, we're unhappy with it. But the Word of God says, Rejoice evermore. So your joy level, your joy level is supposed to increase on a daily basis. You, you know, you got to, how many of you realize that to, to rejoice evermore, you've got to work yourself out spiritually. you got to get strong. You've you got to be able to, to, to not be moved by what you see, but to be moved by what you know. What I see doesn't move me because what I know is going to keep me. Right? I know what God has promised and I'm not going to let go until I see the promise so I can go ahead and get happy and rejoice right now even though it feels like I'm walking through the middle of hell. I know that on the other side of this thing, my final outcome is going to be better than my current condition. Right, So my joy level is increasing. Look at the next one. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Last week we tore in to rejoice evermore. This week we got three words. Pray Without ceasing, pray. Now, here's an interesting concept for the American church. Pray. You know what's crazy? Is there's a huge uh, chunk of the believers in our society that will actually make this statement: "I don't know how to pray." Well, you better learn. You you know what? we gotta, we got we to gotta get a heart connected to God. We, we need to be a people of prayer. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. we we, we got to become people who know how to pray. I mean, we just need to be praying. We need to be talking to God. We need to be connecting to God. Do you realize that anything that you can do without prayer, you're you, you making the statement that you don't need God. Well, if you are under the impression that you don't need God, you are greatly deceived. I know lots of people who don't need God <laughs> in their mind. And they are in deep yogurt. Look like at somebody say, you need God. We've got to pray. Man, we have got to pray. And, and I'm not talking about, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this food that we are about to receive. I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about including God on a daily basis with every decision that you're about to make. I'm talking about getting up in the morning and saying, Okay, God, here we go. God, d- guide me. Direct my steps. Lead me in the path that you want me to walk in. Help me, Jesus. He- you know, give me insight. Give me revelation. Tell me what to do. Because so far, you know, every time I step out on my own, I don't know about you. Every time I step out on my own, I kind of make a little mess. I threw in that word little. Uh, on my own. We need to learn to pray. What happened, you know, but think about it. Here we are. We don't have an active prayer life, and then he throws in without ceasing. Now, you ain't strong enough to pray. If you can't discipline yourself to get up 30 minutes earlier than normal and to read your Bible for 15 minutes and to follow that up with 15 minutes of prayer, if you can't press that way, how are you going to handle it without ceasing when he throws that on? You know, come on, guys. We we can't be lazy believers, right? We, we we can't just sit around and think, well, I'll leave that to the ladies' prayer society. They'll get me covered. You can't. You, don't tell yourself, well, the pastor's going to pray for me. When I said I was praying for you, I didn't mean I was praying for you. <laughs> I guess we don't need to pray. The pastor's praying for us. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Come on now. We, we, we got we to get into God's gym and start lifting that weight. Okay? The, the, these are the lighter weights. Come on, guys. These, are, the, these aren't... This, this isn't going to kill you. This is going to strengthen you. Right? This isn't going to hurt you. This is going to help you. L- let your pastor tell you something. You got to learn to pray. Come on now. You got to learn to pray. And you got to learn to pray without ceasing. Now... Without ceasing, I think a lot of us in our mind, we think what that means is that if we answer the telephone, it's going to interrupt our prayer life. And without ceasing, what do you mean? I just walk around. this all the time. Hey, nobody can talk to me. I can't get any work done. Why? I'm praying, bless God. You know, you know, if the enemy can't prevent you, he will promote you. If he can't prevent you from prayer, he'll promote you to a place that you're not conditioned for. And then you get kind of spooky, flaky, Right? You all have heard the thing about granola bar Christians, right? Nuts and flakes. Here they are. they crazy people and going through life and, and, and demonstrating some kind of craziness to the world and saying that's God. And, and that's not what he's talking about. Prayer without ceasing is this. It is praying until you are satisfied. Until you're satisfied with the answer. You pray until you see what you were expecting. Don't stop until you're done. And you want to know what's crazy, what's really strange and really difficult to wrap your brain around is the fact that in reality, you already do this. You already pray until you're satisfied. The problem is, is we are satisfied so quickly. We settle for so much less than God's best. We, we look at situations and say, well, I guess that's the way it is. Que sera, sera. We're all into you know, and then we just, well, you know, God's large and he's in charge. We blame it on God or the devil. You know, look, look, look at the devil's messing with us. How come you let him do that? Have you prayed? Yeah. You done? Because the situation is going to be the result of your prayer. Uh-oh. Your outcome is going to be a picture of your prayer life. He's trying to put us under condemnation. No, I'm trying to educate you. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop until you see what it is you're going after. The enemy uses a tactic. He uses ease to relax you into a state of slumber. And then when the storm hits... You don't know what to do. You, you, you're not. You're not conditioned. You're not in shape. You're not prepared. You can't handle it. How many times? And again, you don't have to respond to this. But how many times have you ended up in situations and you said, "I can't handle this"? Well, if you can't handle it, then you're not in shape. If you're look, constantly looking back, you're out of condition. We need to get ourselves in shape. For the kingdom. Hello, somebody. You know, we, we need to have a, a passionate desire that's birthed inside of us that says, you know what? I'm I'm going I'm going to release the power of God into this situation and it's going to change some stuff. How many of you know that when you pray, things begin to change? I, I'm here to tell you today that the power of prayer can change everything in your situation. I said the power of prayer can change everything in in your situation. There ain't nothing that can't be manipulated and redirected and and changed and turned by the power of prayer. I want you to open your Bibles. Go to uh, Acts. We're going to go to chapter 12. Now, about that time, verse 1, about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him into prison and delivered him to four quattuorians of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Peter was kept in prison, but prayer, but prayer. But, okay, how many understand this is not a good situation? This is one of the most challenging uh, stories in the book of Acts. The the preacher is in prison, okay? This guy is uh, in a hopeless situation. This is a guy that has just been sentenced to death. Uh, We're talking about a mess right here, okay? We're talking about a situation where uh, he's not just arrested, but he's guarded by soldiers. He's bound in chains, and he is... Uh, somehow attracted the attention of hell, and they have gathered him up, put him in jail, and they are about ready to take his life. Peter therefore was kept in kept in prison, but prayer, but prayer was made unto God, prayer without ceasing, prayer without ceasing. What does that mean? They refused to accept their current situation as their final outcome. They refused. They were not. Hey, we are not satisfied with how this is. So we are going to continue to pray. Okay? These guys are, have gone into prayer. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church. Now I'm talking about a steady stream of prayer going up uh, on behalf. And you know what? For, for, for a season, not a whole lot changed. Have you ever been there? Where you just praying and praying and praying and you ain't seeing no change. Well, don't quit. Don't just stand up and say, well, I guess this is the way it's going to be. I'm just going to have to accept it this way. No, see, that, that's what we've done. We've conditioned ourselves in this society to just accept whatever the enemy offers us. I'm here today to tell you that you don't have to accept whatever the situation looks like. You can go to prayer and, and change it and make it line up with the promise of God. I said you can make it line up with God's Word if you'll get yourself passionate and, and pursue through prayer, the promise of God, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. In it time that we get passionate about changing the situation of our homes, of our city, of, of our state and of our nation. In it time that we stir up something inside of us and say, "You know what, uh, the, the way this thing's going is not in alignment with the word of God, so we have the right to go to God and begin to pray. We can, we can change some things through prayer if we get hungry enough to pray. Come on, guys. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be conditioned for the kingdom. Right? Spo- we, we might have to shut down the Krispy Kreme uh, fundraiser and get behind a closed door somewhere and begin to pray so that we can change the condition that our society is living in. Wouldn't it be something if we got so uh, on fire about God, we decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to begin to pray. God said that He poured His Spirit out upon all flesh, and we are going to pray until the Spirit of God is poured out on all flesh. We we, we ain't going to have to walk the streets with a family-sized Bible and a T-shirt to get people to come to Jesus. We're going to believe that God's going to pour His Spirit out, and they're going to come searching to find out what's going on inside the lives of people that are praying and talking to God. Listen to this. Verse 6. And when Herod would have brought him forth. The same night. Everybody say the same night. Man, I'll tell you what. The same night. The same night. Peter was sleeping. Here's some peace or total ignorance. Okay, you're about to die. You're going to die in just a couple hours. What should you do? I better take a nap. I need to get ready. How <laughs> I many you know there's a level of peace that passes your understanding? I said there's a level of peace that passes your understanding. There's, some, there's a place that you can go where the circumstances of life no longer move you. Well, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not in a mess. Well, neither am I, but I am going to get some rest. Right? P- Peter was sleeping. And he was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. This guy this guy's in a crazy situation and he is asleep. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison. How many of you know that if you pray long enough, pretty soon heaven's door's gonna open and lights are gonna start coming on where there didn't wasn't no light before? And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. Oh, now we know that that prayer is beginning to produce some power because chains are beginning to fall off. There's areas of your life where not only uh, do you need heaven to respond and not only do you need the light to come on, but you need the chains to come off. There are some things you have not been able to touch, but through the power of prayer without ceasing, you will be able to be free to touch things that you ain't been able to touch before. God wants to take the chains off your life. Look at your neighbor and say, You're about to get free. Verse 8, And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sa- the sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. Come on now, now we're now we're putting some stuff on. Gird thyself, put on thy sandals, cast thy garment about thee, thy garment that put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Okay, get get your praise back on. Come on, guys, get your, get your praise back. Don't get caught with your praise down now. Okay, get your praise back on. and Get ready, cause we're going to take a little walk. And when they were uh, and and they and he went out and followed him and wished not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. He thought he was dreaming. He thought he was dreaming. Have you ever had God begin to answer your prayer and you just couldn't believe it? You thought you were dreaming. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came into the iron gate that led to the city, which opened it to them of its own accord. You know, there's some stuff you've tried to open up for years and it's never budged. Maybe you should pray. So maybe you should be praying instead of, of, of working so hard. Because when uh, prayer without ceasing begins to operate in your life, doors that you've never been able to open before will open up of their own accord. Everybody say, of their own accord. Accord. Of their own accord. They went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know, now now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Look at that. Peter said, N- now I know, now I know this is, this is real. God has actually delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of all the people of the Jews. You realize that if somebody needs to be disappointed in every situation, if somebody needs to be disappointed, why don't we allow that to be our enemy? You you understand that the, the reason many people don't pray without ceasing is because they've been disappointed in their previous prayer. Right? You prayed and asked for something, you didn't get what you asked for, so you became disappointed, so now no, you no longer pray. Right? See, you, you thought that if you prayed for five minutes that that all of heaven was going to move on your behalf, and then it didn't, so you became disappointed, so you have no faith in the power of prayer. That's why you don't. Pray. See, here's the deal: we don't do anything simply because the Bible says. You understand that, right? I mean, we try. We're trying to grow ourselves to a maturity to where the Word of God says that we do it. But there's very few things that the Bible says to do, and we just do it just because it says. You know why we? You know people who pray. You know why they pray? Because they've seen their prayers answered. Right? David said, "I cried unto the Lord, and He heard me, and answered my cry." You know, when God begins to answer your prayer, you'll begin to pray quite a bit more. Think about it, if you knew that if you prayed for a certain thing for a certain time that you'd have the exact thing that you wanted, you'd be praying all the time. But you become disappointed. Dis is a prefix that means to be pushed down or pushed out of. Appointment, appointed. When you're disappointed, you've been pushed out of your appointment. Your appointment, that's the place that God has called and qualified you to walk in. And in your appointment is where your power and your anointing and and, and, uh, 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 your, your authority, that's where that operates. If you're outside of your appointment, you no longer have power, authority, or anointing. So the enemy, through life and circumstances, uses that to push you, press you out of your position of authority. So because you're disappointed, you're no longer doing what God said to do. And since you're no longer doing what God said to do, he can't produce what he promised because he only produces what he promised when you've done what he said. Every time, every time, when you do what God said, he will produce what he promised every single time. So if you don't have what God promised, it's not because he's a liar, it's because you haven't done what he said to do. Well, yes, I did. I prayed, but I but it didn't happen the way I prayed. Well, wait a minute. Remember, the disciples came to Jesus and, and they did not ask him to teach them anything except how to pray. They came and they said, Teach us how to pray, and he said, Okay. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, wait, that first prayer, that first portion of the prayer, until we get to give us our daily bread, the first section is setting up the authority, the kingship of God. Okay? He's my Father, but He's also King. He he is also Lord. He's also the one that's going to dictate the decisions I make in my life. Can I submit to you that if you make decisions without talking to God, that you have not put God on the throne of your life? I mean, you might have accepted the love and the acceptance and the forgiveness that He's offered you, but you have not allowed Him to to, to sit on the throne of your life. If you're making decisions... Listen, here's our problem. is We are in a democratic society, but we are expecting kingdom principles and realities. Well, in in a kingdom, there there ain't no vote. You you know, nobody comes and says, what do you guys think we should do? No, in, in the kingdom, the king sets out the law and the people respond accordingly. Right? It, it, to get kingdom principle you can't use democratic mindset. So you, you have to realize that the first part of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples was setting up the authority of God. Right Then he said, give us this day our daily bread. In effect, what he did when he taught him how to pray, he said, set up God's lordship first. And then you ask, you make your request, but you say this. You say that, God, this is what we request, but if it's against your will, you have the right to veto my request. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. This ain't about me now. This is about God. God, you created me with a purpose. Make sure I'm on track with purpose. Make sure that I, I'm not going to divert from the collision with destiny that you are by your Spirit guiding me into. I'm going to pray now to make sure that I don't mess up your plan. If anybody should be disappointed, it shouldn't be you. It should be your enemy. Look at that. He said, now... Now I know for surety that the Lord has sent his angel, hath delivered me. And from all the expectation of the people of the Jews, what they expect, they ain't going to get what they expect. We're going to get what God planned. Hello, somebody. Verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. And many were gathered together praying. They're all, listen, guys, they, they, they are in there and they are praying without ceasing. And Peter knocked at the door of the gate, and damsel uh, came to hearken, named Rhoda. Rhoda come to answer the door, and she knew Peter's voice, and she didn't open the door. She opened not the door because she got so happy, but ran in and told how Peter stood outside the gate. Now get, get this. We're inside praying that the guy in prison can get out. The guy in prison standing at the door, I ain't going to let him in. I'm going to tell everybody he's out. Right? He's out, but I didn't let him in. But where is he? He's outside. (laughs) The guy that can't be seen is standing in the street. Okay. And they said unto her, I love this. Verse 15 is my favorite verse in this whole thing. Verse 15. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. This is the faith prayer meeting. Said, you're crazy! You're crazy! You're crazy! He's—I t- mean, picture this: here's a girl who runs into the room. Guess what? And—and and they have to stop the prayer meeting. She interrupts the prayer meeting. Guess what? And they what? We're praying here. Be quiet. No, wait—you're never going to believe this. It's this so cool. What? Peter's out front. No, he's not. He's in prison. No, no—he's out front. No, he's not. He's in prison. No, he's—he's he's out front. No, he isn't. Yes, he is. No, he isn't. Yes, he is. Come up. She uh, continually, constantly affirmed that it was even so. And they said, it's not Peter. It's his angel. They've already killed him. (laughs) You know, anytime something attacks my body, I try to find people who believe to pray. But sometimes you can't find people who believe. You just need to find people who will pray. Hello? Let's get real for just a minute. A lot of us are under the impression that our faith—you know, the just shall live by faith. We are—we are people of faith. We're—we're we're growing our faith. We're gonna—we're gonna demonstrate the enemies defeat. We—we live by faith, but faith is not simply believing regardless of circumstance. It is obeying regardless of consequence. Faith is more obedience than it is belief. You, you understand what I'm saying? Faith is more obedience than it is a thought process that's a very, very positive. No, faith is doing what God said to do so that He can produce what He promised, even when you don't think what He promised is ever going to be produced. Faith is looking at household salvation. How many of you know that Acts says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, and you and your house. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 14... It says this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. If we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. So when I pray according to the will of God, he hears me. When he hears me, he's going to produce what he promised. When I do what he told me to do, he will produce what he promised every single time. So I'm looking at household salvation, and, and there's people in the family that have said, I'll never serve God. Remember them? You got, you got people in the house? I'll never serve God. And and, but you are told to pray without ceasing. You're going to pray For the promise. You're going to line up with the promise of God and you're going to pray until you're satisfied. Well, if they're still saying that, you should not be satisfied yet. So you continue to pray and you're having to pray, not because you believe it, because God told you to. Right. So now I'm praying for household salvation, not because I believe they're going to get saved, because I don't, I don't think that guy's ever going to change. I think he's going to be just like that. I think he's on a hot road to hell. But God, because you told me to, I'm praying so that I can open up the windows of heaven, the doors of life into this guy so that you can walk, you send an angel, do something. I don't know how you're going to do it. Matter of fact, I don't really believe in my heart. Well, I'd never say that. Why not? God already knows. God already knows that I think that this guy's just moments away from hell. But, hey, God, you told me to pray, so I'm going to pray. And now I'm walking in obedience. My obedience is a little bit better than me confessing I believe God's going to get him and then never praying. See, the enemy has used the faith thing to kind of sabotage your prayer life because you're under the impression that if you pray one time for three minutes, that the thing is done. Somebody somebody somewhere told you that was faith, never asking God for the same thing twice. Where, Where did they get that? Show me that in the book. You're not going to find that in the book. You're going to find pray without ceasing. You pray until you're satisfied with the production of the promise in your life. Hello, somebody. These guys didn't believe. Peter wasn't let out of prison because of their incredible faith, you know, the way that we picture faith. He was let out of prison because they prayed without ceasing. They thought he was going to die. Matter of fact, they thought he was dead. That's his angel. Hello? Hello? Well, if you have enough faith, you'll never get sick. Really? Then why do we need healing? If you have enough faith, you'll, you, you won't be in prison. Gee, Peter, what a loser. Now, here, let, me, let, let me tell you a promise. In this world, there shall be tribulation. I hate that one. We should take that one out. Let's form a committee and talk about it. and Let's, let's remove that one. You can't. Why? Because in this world, there's tribulation. Ah, oh, but the second part of the verse, be of good cheer. Rejoice evermore. What? I don't want to rejoice. i got tribulation. No, rejoice even more. Why? Because I've overcome the world. So if you're in Christ, you're a world overcomer. So you can't be crying because you've got trouble. You've got to be shining because you've got Jesus. Hello, somebody. Where am I? Verse 15. They said it was his angels. Verse 16, Peter continued knocking. They continued praying. Peter continued knocking. <laughs> and when they had opened the door, they saw him. They were astonished. How many realize that there's going to be some times when God answers your prayer? You can't believe it. <laughs> you can't, I can't believe it. You know, I think one of the things God loves to do is blow your mind. I'm telling you, I think God just loves blowing our minds. He loves showing you that His plan was so much better than what you were thinking. You know, when you were under the impression that you didn't get what you want, it's because God had something better coming. And you were tempted to be disappointed. Oh, flow with me now. You're tempted to be disappointed and to be upset. and just, uh, never It never works out my way. I never win. I, I never get what I want. I, I never get a break. You were tempted to do that again, but this one time you decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to continue to pray. I'm praying and I don't see what I want to see, but God, you're going to have to open my eyes and show me great and wonderful things that I know not. Show me the hidden things, the secret things. Give me, Let me see what you see. And you stood, you stood there long enough for God to bring you what He really wanted you to have, and you went, thank God I did not settle for what I wanted. Oh, It was that way when Shelby got me. She was praying for something totally different. <laughs> but then God showed up. Life has never been the same. Hmm, Aren't you happy? <laughs> oh, they were astonished. And he beckoned unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declaring unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, go show these things unto James and to the brothers. And he departed, and he went to another place because he couldn't really handle being in that place. <laughs> you know what? God's wanting to take you to another place. He's wanting to take us to a place where we are experiencing daily the victory that belongs to the believer. He wanted to take you to a place where When hell, flames increase, your joy level goes up because instead of seeing trouble, you're you're seeing a victory on its way. He's he's wanting to take you to a place where your joy increases every day because your prayer life never fades. And you know that as long as you continue, the promise of God can't be separated from you. The the enemy can no longer rip from your grip the promise that God's put in your heart. He wants to take you to a place where you realize that God's going to do some things that are so far beyond what I've even expected. No eye hath seen, no ear hath heard, neither has it entered the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. But they are revealed to us by the Spirit. You're going to pray long enough to hear from God what to do when you don't know what to do. You're going to have a stamina that allows you to do what he's told you to do when you didn't know what to do even though you didn't want to do what he said. He's going to give you something that empowers you to walk through fires and through flames and through floods with an anticipation of Him coming through every single time. You're not not going to let it down until the thing is absolutely over. You're not going to cave. You're not going to be swallowed up. You're, You're going to be lifted up. God wants to take you to that place. He wants to take you to a place where you realize my prayer life is not effective because of me. My prayer life is effective because of the one I'm talking to. My God is greater than all of this stuff that has me so nervous and so paralyzed and so whipped and so beaten. There's all kinds of stuff going on in the world. There's all kinds of challenge and tragedy and trauma. But we serve a God who is able to release healing, restoration, strength, wisdom, insight revelation we serve a god who is definitely possesses the ability to cause you to shine regardless of how dark life gets if you can have the paradigm shift that takes you separates you from our current society to the place where god wants us to be you know the bible tells us to confess our faults one to another Pray one for another, for the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. See, we we even have that turned upside down. We don't confess one to another. We confess one for another and pray one to another. And there's nothing worse than going to a conference of pastors and that first prayer when they ask the guy to stand and pray. And he prays and prays and prays and it's eloquent and it's deep and it's theologically correct and, and... but it's more to impress than it is to connect. And we've learned to pray that way. When we come back to our roots and we determine that, you know what, I'm not going to try to impress anybody, but I'm going to attempt to connect to the power of God today. Sometimes I don't know how to pray other than help. Help. This thing's bigger than we are. Heavier than I've ever lifted before. It's, it seems like it's never going to end. But God, I pray. I pray today. You know what? I, I want to give you three, three keys to prayer real quick that will just help you if you'll do this. First, step one. Everybody say step one. Pray God's word. Pray God's Word. You don't know how to pray? Well, get in the book. Get in the book. 1 John 5, 14. I already quoted it earlier, but this is our confidence that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So pray His will. Okay? So your first step is get in the book, man. Get in the book. Get in the book. Go to the Word of God. Find out what He has to say. Get the promise now. Get the promise. So step step one is know God's Word. Step two, say step two. Take the first step. James five sixteen, Amplified. Confess to one another your slips, your faults, your offenses. Your don't, don't be afraid to admit that you've got non-strength. Don't, don't go around trying to impress everybody. Go ahead and confess you know, to one another and pray for one another that you can be healed and restored. Pray. You know what? Uh, Proverbs 18, 1 says, He who willfully isolates himself from God and man seeks his own desire and is void of sound judgment. The ease translation, that's the Bible I'm writing. Just kidding. Um, but in my, my translation would read this way. He who willfully isolates himself from God and man is an idiot. It's crazy to think that you can you can separate yourself. Well, I, you know, I have people tell me, well, I, I don't have to go to church. Me and God, I can worship God in my home. Yes, you can, but you don't. I, I, I don't have to come in here and hear you say, give the Lord a shout and praise. No, you don't have to, but... When did you do that last time at home? Now I, I don't have to connect to people to pray. No, I don't. But when you do, all of a sudden there's accountability and and, and the Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight, two can put two thousand, ten thousand. Right? There, there's a multiplication power that comes when we connect with each other. And look at this. It, it says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer. Pray without ceasing. The continued prayer. Of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. There's something that God wants to inject into your situation. Don't close the door to God. Open the door to God. Take the first step. Pray. You're not praying on your own, so connect with somebody. Say we're going to meet every at, at once or once a day or once a week, or you know, at seven fifteen. You be at your house. I'll be at mine, and we'll pray. And later in the day, we'll, we'll ask each other what we prayed about. Get accountability so that you learn to pray. I mean that you 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 learn to just it, it's not learning the words it's learning the discipline. Hello, somebody. Know God's word. Connect to somebody and pray. We're going to be he, okay. The first of the year, from January second to February tenth, forty days. We're we're joining with a bunch of other churches in Tri Cities, and we're going to do a forty day fast in prayer. You don't have to fast for forty days. Pick pick one day a week. Pick pick. You know what you ought to do? Forget food. Turn the TV off for 40 days. That response was almost overwhelming. Um, and once, once a week, on Friday nights during, during the first portion of the, of the year, we're going to be meeting in different churches. One of those Friday nights we'll be here. We're going to be praying together. Then Sunday night on the, on February 10th, if I got the dates right, uh, on that Sunday night we're all going to uh, join together somewhere, and we're just going to pray. We're praying for the Spirit of God to be poured out upon our cities. We're going to be praying here at the church. We're going to be starting prayer meetings, and we, we're, we're working on it, putting these things together. Get connected and pray. And you say, I don't know. I'm so uncomfortable in prayer. Isn't it strange that believers are uncomfortable in prayer? You know, back to Matthew eleven twelve. This is just my thing here. I'm almost done, but listen to this. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. The violent take it by force. You want to see violence? Come to a church potluck. <laughs> At our last men's meeting, you know, we had ribs. Al, Al did like 412 pounds of ribs. The the first seven guys ha- had these push carts. You know, the, the next 73 guys, they had... Leftovers. Uh, you want to see violence? Call a church prayer meeting. Four old ladies and a and a visitor show up. Hello. Come on, we got to get a passionate desire. We got to get into prayer. We've got to change things. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with the level of God's presence in my life, in my home, in my church, in my community, in my state. I want to see something different. Number three. Everybody say step three. Follow through. You know, Know God's Word. Take the first step. And don't stop so fast. First Thessalonians 5:17 Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Don't 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 decide that this is good enough. When there's so much more available to us, don't stop here. Amen. Close your book. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head, close your eyes? Worship team's going to come back. If you're here today, and your relationship with God, you, you know you need God. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you've never had a relationship with Him, or maybe you have that is broken. But you know you need God.